the narrator. A Good Omens Podfic, written by Apple Seeds and read by Literarian. Summary Crowley didn't even realize the audiobook he was listening to was going to include any scenes involving intimate encounters. He certainly didn't realize that the narrator, who had the most perfect voice ever, would do accompanying sound effects during those scenes. Crowley can't even get through listening to it without becoming incredibly flustered, so how will he cope when he actually meets Aziraphale Fell in person and discovers everything else about him is just as attractive as his voice? Please note that there's two versions of this podfic. One is just the regular pod like you would be used from me, and then there's this one, which has a lot of commentary, a lot of bloopers embedded in the pod itself, and basically a lot of reflection about just what narrating an audiobook is actually like. So if you're interested in that, listen to this. If you're not, switch to the other version. And enjoy either way. Here you're around. Seats wrote this one for a tweet that said, I didn't know that narrators actually moan in audiobooks during a spicy scene, what the fuck? And I read that and thought, oh yeah, we do. Let me show you just how that works. Chapter 1 Honestly, it was amazing. You should read it. You know I don't read books, Crowley grumbled, wondering how Anathema could be so cheerful at this time in the morning. The caffeine hadn't even had a chance to kick in yet. Then get the audiobook. You know I don't recommend things lightly. It's really stuck with me, all the insights about breaking free from the narratives we've been fed since we were born, reclaiming our symbiotic relationship with the Earth. You would be into that, though. You're a witch, Crowley pointed out, taking another sip of his coffee. Yeah, but it was so much more than that. It was about challenging everything, about throwing aside expectations and being who we really want to be. Look, I'll buy the audiobook for you, okay? You can listen to it in the car. Yeah, okay, I'll try it, Crowley relented. It can't have changed your perspective that much, though, if you've still shown up to work today in this hellhole. Change tax, Tom. Crowley grunted his agreement. Well, speaking of the hellhole, I'd better get back to the office. I've got to do a presentation this afternoon. Lucky me, eh? Hope it goes well. See you later. They parted ways just outside the staff kitchen, and Crowley sauntered lazily back to his office. By the time the working day finally ended and Crowley could go home, Anathema had already procured a copy of the audiobook version of Invisible Truth for him. The reviews said it was inspiring, but Crowley was rarely in the mood to feel inspired. 
Still, Anathema was his only friend and ally at work, so just to make her happy, he put the book on in the car to accompany him on the drive home. He had to admit, he did find the first 45 minutes he managed to listen to on his commute inspiring, although not for the same reason as Anathema. He could be quite certain of that, since she'd read a physical copy of the book. It wasn't the content that was inspirational to Crowley. It was the narrator. He had the most perfect, captivating voice Crowley had ever heard. He enunciated every word so precisely, his voice deep, low and soothing. Crowley could happily have listened to him all night and, in fact, contrary to his original expectations, did continue listening once he got back to his flat. He kept his earbuds in while he prepared and ate his dinner. He even went to bed early so that he could listen while tucked up warm and cozy under the covers, the comforting sound of the narrator's tantalizingly perfect voice in his ear helping him to relax. He felt like he was melting into the bedsheets. Sometimes the narrator would adopt a slightly deeper tone and Crowley would feel his voice reverberating throughout his body, sending pleasant tingles down his spine and giving him goosebumps. It was so relaxing that Crowley actually ended up falling asleep while listening, having the best night's sleep he'd had in ages and had to go back and try to find the last part he remembered so he could listen again on the way into work the next morning. I really hope I can do Aziraphale's voice justice because my standard for this fic with that deep rumbly voice won't do. And also, I hear from comments on my pods, which I am ever grateful for, that many of my listeners might share this experience. So thank you, it is my pleasure to read you to sleep. Anathema, of course, asked him how he was finding the book and was delighted with his enthusiastic response. In fairness, it was actually a decent book and he could certainly see why Anathema had enjoyed it. Crowley finished listening that evening and felt strangely bereft once it was over. That is my ambition, making you feel bereft when the story is over because you want to listen to more. He looked up the audiobook online, learning that the narrator was a man by the name of Aziraphale Fell. Learning his name gave Crowley a weird fluttery feeling in his stomach, as though that simple knowledge had made his mind and body acknowledge that it had been a real, living, breathing person speaking softly in his ear all night. Just to confirm, I am indeed a real, living, breathing person speaking into your ear right now. We won't get replaced by AI anytime soon. AI is getting better, but it can't do everything that we can, and that's a good thing, thank you very much. Eager to hear more, 
Crowley searched online for other audiobooks narrated by Aziraphale Fell, thrilled when a substantial list was presented to him. Crowley didn't fancy listening to any more inspirational non-fiction, but was pleased to see quite a few novels on the list too. He bought an audio copy of a book called Forged, and this time decided to start listening while taking a bath. Listening to Aziraphale reading a fictional story was a revelation, the creative nature of the medium allowing him more freedom with the tone and modulation of his voice. He put on different voices for the characters, effectively conveying their feelings and emotions through the dialogue, showcasing his skill and talent much more effectively than in his reading of Invisible Truth. Yes, we try to do that, and some of us have ranges of different voices that I am blatantly envious of. I can do 10 on the fly, and I think, you know, somewhere around 30 if I put my mind to it, but that takes a lot of work and a lot of time. But there are people out there who voice 70 different people on the go, apparently, I don't know how they record and they sound consistent, and that's a skill I really want to improve on myself. So, let's go. <laughs> Crowley sank down into the pleasantly hot water, surrounded by copious bubbles, and closed his eyes, floating in a state of blissful tranquility. Crowley hadn't been lying when he said he didn't read books, but now he was thinking maybe he'd just never found the right ones, as Forged turned out to be pretty compelling. Or maybe he'd have found the phone book compelling if it still existed and Aziraphale Fell had been the one reading it. That's why I occasionally read other stuff for you. I won't ever go so far as reading the phone book, but I'm still contemplating the IKEA catalogue. Crowley got out of the bath, dried off, and got into his black silky pyjamas before heading to bed early again. Despite getting into bed just after nine, he didn't actually fall asleep until gone midnight, entirely caught up in the story of the mildly misanthropic blacksmith struggling to find acceptance in a small village in 17th century England. The palpable romantic tension between the blacksmith and the village bookseller had Crowley gripped, and he had high hopes that by the end they would overcome adversity and find a way to run away together and live happily ever after, not that he would ever admit to such a thing. He listened again in the morning on the way to work and looked forward to finishing for the day even more than usual so that he could get back to the story. He climbed into the Bentley with a huge grin on his face, connected his phone to the car's sound system and navigated his way out of the concrete monstrosity that was his workplace's multi-story car park. Aziraphale's voice materialized over the speakers, deep, slow, and full of emotion. Now, how do I actually voice Aziraphale here? Because deep for me isn't Aziraphale. 
Here he would learn the unholy truth that the road to hell was in fact paved with cobblestones, pieces worn by the relentless rush of rivers until they were unrecognizable, shaped to be smooth and perfect, giving no indication of the truth of what once was. Zachary was thus, the secrets of his soul long since abandoned in favour of propriety and expectation, the pieces set together in sand, heavy and clawing like clay and unyielding under the force of the pounding rain. The water slicked his pale blond curls to his face as his footsteps echoed around the deserted street. It was time to break free from the prison he had forged for himself and for his heart. His shoes struck the stones as he strode purposefully along the road that may indeed lead him to eternal damnation, but he had come to realize that, in truth, he had already died a long time ago by permitting himself to be moulded and set in place another stone amongst many, untarnished and ordinary. What cause did a ghost have to fear its demise? Indeed, Zachary knew surely that the road to hell was paved with cobblestones, for it was this very road leading him to the blacksmith's workshop leading to Antony. Oh my God, is this actually happening? Is he actually going to tell him he loves him? Crowley wished he was listening to this somewhere else so he wouldn't need to concentrate on the road. The way Aziraphale spoke the words augmented the building tension, making Crowley's pulse quicken. The furnace flames flickered in Antony's eyes like a demon drawing him into the circles of hell. Zachary was undeterred. He had taken too many steps to turn back now. I thought you always retired to bed before this hour. The gravelly sound of Antony's voice made Zachary shiver. Yeah, I know the feeling. Crowley agreed, pulling away from a red light faster than he should. Not that that was anything unusual, but today he was particularly keen to get home. His confidence wavered. He had been steadfast in his conviction as he had approached the smithy, but now, confronted with his temptation in the flesh, he doubted himself. No, tell him, you idiot, Crowley interjected. Nor is it like you to venture out in such conditions, given the choice. Am I to assume that you are in urgent need of my services? Antony's low drawl was as responsible for raising Zachary's temperature as the heat thrown off by the furnace, his unwavering stare pinning him in place. Come on, just tell him you're in love with him and you want to go off together. Get off together? Indeed, I believe I might be, Zachary replied, his own voice weak, feeble and questioning. Antony softened. 
Then I shall fetch you a towel and you can tell me what you need, he said. Zachary knew he must speak now, before illegitimate mutterings of sin deep in his mind could corrupt his conviction. You, Zachary admitted in little more than a whisper. I need you. Yes! Crowley slapped his palm against the steering wheel victoriously. God, he'd never live it down if Anathema found out how much he'd got into this after his claims to hate reading. Aziraphale's voice was laden with emotion, somehow managing to capture the protagonist's inner conflict, hope intermingled with doubt, logic with passion, strength with vulnerability. Aziraphale was so incredibly skilled at what he did, Crowley couldn't help but be impressed. Zachary caught the way Antony's confidence wavered for a moment, as though he had truly, perhaps for the first time in their acquaintance, caught him off guard. He was always so self-assured, although it had not taken Zachary long to see past that facade, to see the man who concealed himself beneath. What is it exactly that you need from me? Antony asked, and was Zachary deluding himself to hear his own sense of hope reflected back at him through those words? He fixed Zachary with a questioning stare, quiet disbelief embedded in his eyes. Zachary knew he must summon his courage, that he could no longer retreat, that his only option was to keep striding forward. Crowley's heart was racing beneath his sternum now, his hands clenched tightly around the steering wheel, and his teeth sunk into his bottom lip with anticipation. He'd been listening for hours. Were the bookseller and the blacksmith finally going to get their happy ending? Crowley prayed this wouldn't be the kind of book where something stupid happened to pull them apart. He didn't think he could take it. Zachary's ribs rose as he drew the thick, warm air of the forge down into the very depths of his lungs. I need to feel your hands on me. I need you to take me to your bed, to undress for me, to let me worship your body with my own. I need you to tell me that nothing else matters, to seize me and kiss me with steadfast disregard for all who might oppose us. Crowley stared at the glowing red brake lights of the car in front, open-mouthed, trying to ignore how it felt to hear all of that spoken so passionately and desperately in Aziraphale's delectable voice. Crowley swallowed roughly. He hadn't realized this book might contain anything like that, and half considered disconnecting his phone from the car speakers to make sure he got home safely. Aziraphale's voice was deep and breathy, the sound of it making Crowley's whole body erupt with goosebumps, and it was incredibly distracting. Are you sure that is what you want? 
Antony asked firmly, holding himself tense like a lioness stalking her prey, the unquestionable flame of desire burning in his eyes. Yes, Zachary replied, and as soon as the word had left his lips, Antony pounced, seizing Zachary by the lapels and pinning him against the wall, moulding their bodies together. Aziraphale had quickened the pace of his narration, making Crowley's heart beat even faster and leaving him feeling rather hot and bothered, his collar starting to feel a little too tight. Do you feel that? It's not as easy if you don't have the whole story, but can you feel it later? Antony gripped Zachary's hair, tugging on it to tilt his head, granting him access to his neck. His mouth descended on it, feverishly kissing and nipping at his sensitive flesh, and Zachary moaned deeply. And Aziraphale moaned deeply. <sighs> and Crowley slammed his foot down on the brake pedal. Fucking hell! Crowley sat there, stunned, while Aziraphale continued to gasp and moan with pleasure, panting for breath between lines of passionately delivered narrative and dialogue. He was brought back to himself only by the insisting blaring of the horn from the car behind him, and he physically shook his head before forcing himself to focus and start driving again, pulling the car up to the side of the road as soon as it was safe to do so. Thank God the driver behind him had been paying attention. Crowley's entire body felt like it was on fire. He hurriedly turned the volume down, afraid that someone might hear these sounds coming from his car, not wanting to attract any attention. He sat in stunned silence and listened as Aziraphale whispered words of praise and adoration, as his breathing hitched and his sentences broke off, swallowed by choked moans and sharp breaths sucked in between clenched teeth. Yes, we do that too, you'll hear later. He breathed heavily through the speakers of Crowley's car, and Crowley thought he was going to explode, not just his collar, but his trousers starting to feel too tight now too. He fumbled with his phone and managed to stop the audiobook, breathing out a long, shaky breath. He touched his hand to his face, his cheeks burning, and flopped his head back against the headrest. Fuck. He really hadn't been expecting that. Definitely safer not to listen to the rest of that scene while driving. Besides, there was no point lying to himself. Crowley wanted to listen to it on his headphones. The remainder of the drive home, Crowley drove much more slowly and carefully than he ever had in his life, no matter how eager he was to get home. 
Thankfully, by the time he pulled up in front of his block of flats, the situation in his trousers had at least resolved itself. He'd only managed to get home by deploying a mindfulness technique while driving, whereby he'd focused on every mundane little detail of his journey – road signs, shops, the color of people's umbrellas – whatever it took to get safely back to the flat in one piece. Crowley let himself in, shrugged off his coat and kicked off his shoes, heading straight for the bedroom. He grabbed his headphones and hesitated for a second, trying to decide whether to pour himself a glass of wine and listen to the rest of the story in the living room, or whether to just give in to temptation and get into bed. He didn't hesitate for long. Crowley had never been particularly adept at resisting temptation, so he stripped off, changing into his pajamas and getting into bed getting himself comfortable with his headphones on before picking up his phone and pressing play.